This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. I'm going to go a different direction today. We've been talking about guarding the gates. Right there is perfect. We talked about the, uh, the heart gate and how it's important to guard the heart because everything you do flows from the heart. We talked about the mind gate. We spent four weeks on the mind gate. We could have spent 10 weeks, but we only spent four about how important it is to guard the mind. We spent last week, we started on guarding your mouth. And how important your words are. And how we have the ability. And I struggle with this. It's probably my biggest struggle. And this struggle causes me sometimes to question my calling. Lord, let me be vulnerable today. You see, I never thought I could do this. because of the things I had told myself. I I would look in the mirror, you'll never make it. Why would a church hire you? They'll always question you because of who your dad is. They'll always think you got the position you did because your dad was in an administrative role. But in reality, you know deep down inside you can't do it. Why would anybody listen to you? You're just like everybody else. You have your struggles, things that you deal with. What makes you more qualified than everybody else? I don't know if any any, of that sounds familiar. Because a lot of times we say that to ourselves too. In whatever field that you're working in. Isaiah chapter 6 
tells a story in the Bible that we tend to not really relate to this type of topic, but it, in relation to your words and how our words are, how our tongue is untamable and how we, without the power of the Holy Spirit, cannot tame the tongue and, and how that if we're not careful and not let the Holy Spirit lead our words, then we'll begin to speak death words over ourselves. And I hope this ministers to somebody and I don't even know how long this will take. It might take five minutes, might take 10, maybe longer. Isaiah chapter six, verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim each with six wings, two wings they covered their faces two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory at the sound of their voices the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke isaiah was telling everyone about a vision that he had had But I want you to pay close attention to what happens next. Verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of what? Unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And here's the conviction that he had. And I, my eyes have seen the king. We miss that part. We miss that for my eyes have seen the king is conviction in his heart. Because he is a man of unclean lips. For he lives among a people that's unclean lips. And how can I live in such a way when I have seen the king? After Isaiah had seen the full glory of God, he became convicted of his words. He became painfully aware of his mouth and not just for himself, but for his entire nation. As a matter of fact, if you read this passage in the message translation, this is what it says. Doom, it's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I have spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. And the people I live with talk the same way, using words that are corrupt and desecrate. And here I've looked at God in the face. He felt convicted because of things he might have said about others maybe even said about himself how dare i look at the man in the mirror and tell him he's not worth it after all i've seen the king and i know that i've been created in the image of god and i know that i'm a beautiful person in his sight and i know that i'm made just the way that he wants me and i know that everything about me he wove in my mother's womb before my mom even knew me but yet even in the beginning he knew my name how dare I talk to the man in the mirror that way? Because I've seen the king. 
Do you realize in relation to guarding your mouth that sometimes we don't need the enemy to work against us because we do a good job all by ourselves? Isaiah chapter 6 verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hands which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And Chris Holder, your sin has been atoned for. Keep in mind that Isaiah had this experience 700 years before Jesus would even arrive to atone for the sins of mankind. Yet he saw a vision of what was to take place. That 700 years later, a spotless, precious lamb would be sent to heaven through, through a, a virgin mother who she would hold and keep and encourage. We displace the importance of Mary. She raised him. She spoke life into his very being. She encouraged him when he came home upset. She, she hugged him when he was crying. Remember, he came as flesh, so he had emotions too. Isaiah 6 verse 8. After the conviction, after the touching of his lips... Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. We must be careful. not to speak death over ourselves. If God is to use you in the way, in the manner in which I know that he wants to, in that way is defined as things that you don't even comprehend or understand, that the Lord is going to use you in such a way that when you sat down as a little 12-year-old child and you began making out goals and plans for your life that the things that God wants to do aren't even a blip on that piece of paper but if we continue to speak against ourselves what we cannot do then the, the very power in our words says that we 
can speak things into existence. So therefore, instead of speaking negative thoughts over us, maybe when we look at the man in the mirror, that we should be saying, but you can make it, and you are worth it, and you will succeed. I shared a Facebook post Monday of this past week and I posed a question a research question for this sermon and the question was this what are things that we say to ourselves that cause harm to our personal and spiritual self and the answers began coming in from everywhere and I wanted to share them with you this morning because I can guarantee you every single person in this room has said something like this self um, do I look dumb? I'll never have kids. I'll never get married. My marriage is over. No one can see me. I'm invisible. No one wants to see me. They just continue to look past. I'm too old to be used. I'm too sick to make an impact. Do these clothes make me look big? You know, we say that as a joke sometimes, but do you realize that if you continue to say that about yourself, you begin to believe it? I can't do this. Why does it even matter? It is what it is. How many have said that one? That's the way it's always been. It doesn't matter anyway. If I would have done it this way, things would have been different. I don't know what else to do. I'm not good enough for this. Other people do it better than me. It won't change anyway, so why bother? No one cares about me. I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be as happy as they are. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Nothing I do is right. I'm not cut out for this. I'm too shy, too quiet to be used. What's one time going to hurt? Who am I anyway? Why should somebody listen to me? Here's the one that gets me. No one will ever miss me if I'm gone. There's nothing more for me to do. My time has passed. I'm not a good spouse. I'm not a good parent. When you look into the mirror, what do you say? Those very things
Let me find the reference. You need to hear this. James chapter 1, 26. Those who consider themselves religious, servers of God, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceive themselves. And their religion, their service, listen to what the Bible says, is worthless. I'm going to read that again because I want to tell you how important your words are and how much they matter to what you even say to yourself. Those who consider themselves servers of God and do, and do not keep a tight ring on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their service to Him is worthless. Did you know that your being used of God can be diminished by you speaking negative over yourself? That is why it is so important that we guard the tongue, that we guard the mouth, so that everything comes out is, is worthy of, of who we think He is. Okay? These very things that I said about myself. Would you turn around and say those very things to your spouse or to your children? And if your answer is no, then you shouldn't be saying it about you either. These are death words that we use that diminish how God can use us. Because how can I get up behind this sacred desk and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see lives transformed if behind the scenes I'm looking at the man in the mirror saying you won't be able to do it. I don't know who this is for and maybe it's just me and if it is, praise God because I need it. But you are not too old you are not too young. You are not too smart. You are not too big. You're not too small. You're not too whatever you say you are to be used of the Almighty God. There are things that He has petitioned for you to do that I will never be able to do in this life. Why? Because God has not ordained me to do them, but yet He's ordained you. And if we don't step up to the plate and do what God's called us to do, He moves on to the next willing servant. And I don't want to be passed over. I want to do everything I can in this life to, to serve my Master, to serve my Lord. I'm going to read a story I shared on Wednesday night. So some of you in here might have heard this before, but I, I, I got it out of my backpack right before praise and worship. I had a feeling I was going to need it today. And it falls very perfectly to what we're talking about. And you know what? We're going to pray and I'm going to close. We're going to have a little vote for council. We're going to have a little business meeting. We're going to be happy. We're going to hug. We're going to shake hands, maybe from a distance. Who knows if you're comfortable or not, we're going to go home and we're going to not just let these words go in one ear and out the other, but rather we're going to apply them to our life because I'm telling you, it is not healthy for you to speak negative about yourself. And I want to say this in front of everybody. It is not healthy for me to talk bad about me. So Ivan the Great was the Tsar of all of Russia. 
He brought together the warring tribes into one vast empire, the Soviet Union. As a man of war, he was courageous. As a general, he was brilliant. He drove out the, the enemies and established peace across the nation. However, Ivan was so busy waging his campaigns that he didn't have a spouse, a home, children. His friends, advisors were quite concerned and they reminded him that there was no heir to the throne and should anything happen that the union would shatter to chaos. So they said, you must take a wife who can bear you a son. Well, the busy soldier statesman said to them that he didn't have time to search for the bride. But if they found him one, he would marry her sight unseen. The counselor's advisor searched the capitals of Europe to find an appropriate wife for this great Tsar and find her they did. They reported to Ivan, the beautiful dark-eyed daughter of, of the king of Greece. She was young, brilliant, and charming. The king of Greece was delighted. He was happy. It would align Greece with the Soviet Union in a good way. And, and, but there had to be one condition. He cannot marry my daughter unless he becomes a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Ivan's response was, I'll do it. So a priest was dispatched to Moscow to instruct Ivan in Orthodox doctrine. Ivan was a quick learner, he learned, and he learned it in record time. Arrangements were concluded, and the Tsar made his way to Athens, accompanied by 500 of his crack troops, which was the personal palace guard. He was baptized, or he was to be baptized in the Orthodox Church by immersion. His soldiers, ever loyal, asked to be baptized as well. So the patriarch of the church assigned 500 priests to give the soldiers a one-on-one -on -one crash course. So all 500 of them, all 500 of the priests, a thousand and two people walk into the Mediterranean Sea to be baptized. The priests were dressed in black robes and tall black hats and the soldiers wore their uniforms with all of their battle gear, their ribbons of valor, the medals of courage, and their weapons of battle. But see, therein lied the problem. The church prohibited professional soldiers from being members. They would have to give up their commitment to bloodshed. They would have to give up a portion of their life to fulfill this Obligation. They couldn't be killers and church members too. And after some diplomatic, you know, talking back and forth, the problem was solved quite quickly. And as the words were spoken and the priest began to baptize them, each soldier, each soldier reached by his side, withdrew his sword, lifting it high overhead, and their entire body was totally immersed, everything baptized except the unbaptized arm. And to me, that's a picture of the Christian walk that we have. Oh, we'll baptize ourselves and we'll give everything to God except that one thing that we're not willing to let go of, the unbaptized arm. God, I'll give you everything I have except this one thing. I've got to hold on to it. I'm not letting go. And for a lot of us, it's our words. It's, it's the things that we say to each other. It's the things that we say to ourselves. And I'm telling you, if you'll give God your mouth, if you'll give Him your tongue, it will release heaven to come down and work in you in such a way you never knew possible. Don't have an unbaptized arm. Don't be so prideful that we're willing to, to keep something from him. 
And I don't know how many people here this morning that can honestly say, Pastor, I've said some of these things about myself. And sometimes I look in the mirror when I wake up in the mornings and I'm not happy about what I see. I'm not happy about what I've done. I'm not happy about what I've said. And my biggest problem sometimes is things that I say to myself. Because let me tell you something. If you're not saying what, you, what the Lord wants you to say about yourself, then your heart and your mind have not been guarded appropriately. Because if your heart is in the right place and your mind is guarded like it should, your words will go with it hand in hand. If something is out of line, that means we go back to the root of the issue, which means what is in my heart? What do I believe in myself to be true? What do I believe in others to be true? And if you're speaking negative about you, then there's something rooted inside of you that shouldn't be there. Maybe it's a past hurt. Maybe it's church hurt. Can we get really real this morning and say some of the biggest hurts you'll ever face is inside of a church? We've had for sale signs put in our yard. Growing up in a pastor's home. We don't want you here. We've had cups of stones and sticks laid at our front door. Telling us that our words have hurt them. We've had people talk about us behind our back. We've had people do things to us. And all of these situations tend to shape our current reality if we're not careful. And we tend to look through current reality through the lens of our last past hurt. And I'm telling you, if you want to be free in your mind, if you want to be truly free, you have to allow that past to be healed by Abba God so that your present reality is not dictated to what somebody else did to you in your past. Can I speak this this morning? You guys are quiet. I love you with everything I've got. Ask my wife without me around, how long does PC stay up at nights worried about the church people? There's nights I haven't slept. Because I know what you go through. I know what you've been through. We might not always see eye to eye. We might not always agree. But there's one thing you will never be able to say about me. Is that he doesn't love me. A lot of the things that I struggle with, I do to myself. And how many of us are probably in the same boat where we lay up longer at night than what we really should because we're worried about things that maybe nobody has really said, but we in our mind think it has been. And it's easier to assume than just to ask. I'll stop. The unbaptized arm. Give it to God. How dare you? 
Okay, I love you, but let me speak. How dare you speak negative about yourself when you've seen the king? How dare you speak negative about you and your abilities and your gifts and your talents to the creator who put them inside of you? How dare we as children of God belittle and talk down against other children of God because we've seen the king. Let's give it to God. Our mouth, James talks about how it's disproportionately powerful. It's like the rudder on a ship. It's like the bit in a horse's mouth. How a small thing can tame a large item. The tongue, yet so small, controls the entire body. But the Bible says that it's humanly untamable. So how do we tame it, you ask? I'm really glad you asked that because I'm going to answer it. You speak to the Holy Spirit. And you say, I can't do it, but I know that you can. So God, guard my heart, guard my mind, and guard my lips so that everything that comes out is the fruit. Because let me, let, me, let me tell you something. You'll eat the fruit of your words, both good and bad. You speak negative, you'll eat that fruit. You'll eat rotten apples. But you speak life, and you'll eat the most delicious, ripest, most juicy apples you've ever had. Because you'll eat the fruit of your lips. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. You say, Pastor, I struggle with this. Things I say to myself. I struggle just like you do, Pastor. And I want you to help pray for me.